Today's podcast is brought to you by Camper Kings. When you have the freedom to choose, where will you go? Hiring a camper van from Camper Kings means you've just bought a ticket to adventure. Camper Kings offer a stunning range of quirky camper vans and luxury motorhomes with modern and stylish features, providing you with a safe staycation escape. Adventure awaits at camperkings.co.uk and you can follow them on Instagram at camperkings underscore UK. For Across the Park listeners only, there's a free bottle of champagne and free insurance when you quote Across the Park. Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, hosted and produced by a group of friends from both sides of the park. We pride ourselves in bringing you the very best conversation from the ongoing matters at both clubs, providing banter and debate. We also release regular specials with guests connected to both clubs providing insights and interviews never heard before. The back catalogue of these shows is available on our website, acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to hit subscribe to Across the Park Podcast on your favourite listening app and please give us a follow on our social media. Head over to Instagram or Twitter and search at Across the Park PC or Facebook, search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of this season's Across the Park podcast. Myself, Ian Mills, with Gary Judge for the Blues, Gary Murray and Teddy McGiven for the Reds. First of all, we're going to dissect the FA Cup third round. Both teams did get past some little bit, a few scares. We'll start with the Reds, Gary. Not going to lie, I was sitting there at 1-1 on Friday night and I was thinking, if there's a God, I'll take all those past Derby defeats to see these kids knock these out. Were you <laughs> at any point nervous watching it? No, not really. It was, it was one of them games you knew... I was saying in our group, we were never in danger of losing the game. It was never going to happen. You know, they can they can put in the best performance of their lives, and they, they still wouldn't have beat us. Um, but we were saying that, Gary. <laughs> I know, but it, it was it was one of them for us. It, it was frustrating. It was a chance. The fact that we went with such a strong team, it was a chance to sort of play them into form and and, and have the them starting players sort of get past this little blip that they've been on, or or at least help try and get past the blip that they've been on. And the f- that certainly that first half, it was just a proper frustrating watch. It mm-hmm. was just don't know what what was wrong with them. It was just exactly what had been going on the last few games carried on into the start of that game. And it just, if anything, it just built built their kids up with more and more confidence. And you know, fair play to them. They, they had a goal when when they when they had the chance to, and they got the goal. It was a good goal. Poor defending, admittedly, but you know they, they've still got to do what they had to do and, and get in and actually and actually put in the back of the net. So fair play to them for getting the goal. But um, yeah, it was it was certainly I'd say the first forty-five minutes certainly very disappointing from our side. Yeah, I think from from when I'm watching the pool games at the moment, it, it you know as you say there, it's been like what well, we've been like the last couple of games with slow starts and stuff. And I think I think with this Liverpool team, obviously you know winning the league last year and the way that we've done it, I think a lot of teams sort of prem teams that we play at first will go cagey and try and make sure they stay in the game, you know, and then try and get something later on. That's certainly what we've seen in the likes of the West Brom game and stuff like that. But I think. The problem that this Liverpool team's got then is they've got to seize that initiative or they're expecting teams to start slow against them, you know, and, and let them have a lot of the ball and stuff like that. Um, so that, that is almost lulling us into starting slow and knocking it around. We know we're going to have to probe and find gaps and, and put balls through and stuff. And I, I don't think it re- it's really it's it's suiting us in our style of play. So I think that's what's causing us problems in the Premier League. But then when we come up against 
a gang of under-23s who are playing for, for Villa. You know, these are young, precocious lads who want to make a name for themselves. They're not coming out with that mentality. You know, they're not going to be coming out with a backs to the wall, let's just stay in the game. It's an opportunity. It's a free hit for them, you know, against the Premier League champions. So, I think that, you know, counts against us in, in a way that we've maybe gone with that mentality of, well, we're a big side and they're going to be, you know, wary about us and sitting back and stuff. And they just didn't. You know, they like looked it, scared at first, Philip, but grew into it. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, the first couple of minutes, you know, there's a natural sort of them finding yeah. the feet. But once they found it and they realised this Liverpool team have actually come and they're, they're, they're really slow and, and, you know, really deliberate and ploddy in the way that we're approaching the game, all of a sudden these young lads are like, we might have a chance here, you know. Let's, and you can see them just grow into that first half and we, we sort of wilted a little bit. We were like, what's happening here? Like, we had no answer to it. So, so that's something that I really think that, you know, we really need to cut out of our game because it, it is really impacting our performances. And I don't know whether it is just a mentality thing, you know, as I say, but we know we're coming up against teams who are going to be in that sort of mindset or whether it is now just a little bit of fatigue starting to set in and the players are just maybe wanting to control their output in games a little bit more and grow into it themselves, you know, and, and just manage themselves because they know that we're within on the ground in terms of, like, you know, squad depth and stuff like that. I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of things going on there, but it's certainly something that we've seen in the last couple of games, isn't it? You so know, the, the mentality monsters are evolving yeah, into I, different creatures. Yeah, the mentality monsters have gone hiding under the bed. I think you know disappeared because it's just it's that same you know ruthless mindset doesn't doesn't seem to be there in in, in this current little run. Um, after that, we absolutely annihilated Palace. We haven't seen it, so something's definitely you know not not quite right. Um, and do you think it could be? Do you think it could be confidence as well? The more time this happens to you, with a slow start, the more it's happening. The players it now lose a bit of confidence. It can definitely be, uh, you know, to going towards why we're playing this. But I think it's definitely catching up with us having the injuries we've got. All right, we haven't got as many as we did have at one time, but the injuries we've got are key injuries. We're, we're having to play midfielders in defence regular. Every game now we've got Fabinho playing there, and it's whether or not Matip's fit if he if he manages to play, which is he plays one in four at the moment, if that. Um, and then we're having to we've had to play Henderson there. We're, we're potentially having to play him there again on 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 the weekend against United, um, and that's it, at the beginning we were sort of getting by with it. We we were maybe weren't playing. The, the best football, but we were still winning and we weren't conceding many. We're still not conceding many, but we've, not, we've stopped winning. Well, teams know they've got a chance to score against us now, don't they? That's it. So they'll stick like Allardyce at 1 0. He was making the goalkeeper still move the ball to the other side of goal kicks, knowing we will get a chance at that goal eventually. But that, and yeah, I think that's right. You know, it, it, for them now, it's so important to stay in the game because you will get set-piece chances yeah. and stuff. You know, you look at the difference in terms of, you know, our aerial domination in the box and that's gone down dramatically since Van Dijk's gone out. Even though Fabinho's been brilliant elsewhere defensively, he isn't as good in the air as Van Dijk is. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, teams like that are thinking if we can stay in the game, we will get set-piece chances. So, that gives them confidence and it, you know, it gives makes them redouble their efforts because we're not just staying in the game to end up getting spanked two and three nil like we, you know, m- might have happened last season. Mm. We're staying in the game where we might be able to nick something out of it, get a point mm. or two. And, then, that, and then that's that is putting more pressure on your defenders because they're thinking we're not going to be three or four up in this game. So yeah. it's going to be tight the whole game and therefore, and when you've got young defenders. The biggest issue you have with young defenders or inexperienced defenders is concentration for 90 minutes. Yep. They're going to make a mistake. Yep. They're going to be out of position at one point where you weren't getting that with, the, with your Van Dijk. Where you're no, exa- exactly. Marshall on that. And then, as you say, you know the confidence thing is it, what, as soon as as soon as the goals have dried up a little bit, you know, up the other end, we, we've never naturally been a team that that shares the goals around the side. You know, we don't get a lot mm. from midfield. We're getting even less now because some of our midfielders are getting played in you know in in the <laughs> defence and stuff. But yeah. so that you know. We're at that point where we've we've hit a little run where 
Firmino, Mane and Salah are all scoring at the same time, which I don't think we've ever had. There's always been one of them picking up the slack when another one dropped out of form a little bit. All three of us all at the same time. And unfortunately, it came when Jota's out. You know what I mean? Which is, he was in a, in a, a red hot streak, where not he? would have been ideal to have, you know, coming in to, to sort of pick that baton up off one of them. Um, and it just hasn't quite worked out that way for us. So there's a few things going on, but listen... Yeah, not, not to pile more misery on, but the... the that all coincides again with our fullbacks, who are our main source of, you know, getting assists and, and getting us forward at our form as well. Main, mainly on the right side with intense. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't so much aim as much as at Robertson because he's still playing really well down that left with with Mane. But his, his end product, is crossing and that, doesn't seem to be on point as, as it mean, formerly I, I, was. I think he's. It's my time. Obviously, he hasn't had a proper stinker like Trent has, but I think he's been just as bad on the ball. It's just that his work rate. It comp- you know, it overcompensates all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, so I and think I think he's go, not. You can't knock him because he covers so much. Yeah, and, and I think that that will come down to the fact that he's not naturally gifted as a footballer. If you look back at uh, in, in harsh, that way. no, but he's <laughs> not though, is he? Do you know what I mean? In in the way that you know, he like, hasn't got natural raw talent. Like yeah, it, like that's Trent what I mean. Has, yeah. yeah, whereas so he he's worked. You know, we we we've joked a lot of times about in the past about he was he was somewhere couldn't get a job in Aldi or something a, a few mm. years ago and then he was European champion next minute and you know Trent, Trent hasn't had that Trent's come through the youth and he's he's been we've known he was going to be a player he was always going to get into the first team he was always going to make something of himself Robertson's had to really work hard at it and that, that shows he's not not that Trent hasn't worked hard obviously mm. but he, he's he hasn't as you said there he hasn't got that natural ability in he, terms he kind of, of recognises you're not always going to play well but if you you know if you just keep working and working, and yeah, it's kind of that. And we had that if you if you remember on the on the Carragher pod we done Carragher said when he had a competition getting signed in his his positions for Liverpool, he was saying every training session he'd work at 100% because he knew he couldn't just turn up on game day and, and play to the standard he needed to. So we'd go into training sessions like it was a game, knowing that the the other players that we were coming in wouldn't be able to keep up with him. Mm. Yeah, and I. Th- I think it's fair. I mean, Trent, you know, he came back from an injury and I, I still don't think, I know Nico Williams has played games, I still don't really think he's a live option as a, you know, a backup. You know, to you can't replace the output that Trent gave us and you're certainly not replacing it with Nico Williams. And as good as he is as a young lad, you know what I mean, and you want him to do well and stuff. Unfortunately, he's playing second fiddle to someone who has been the be- one of the best right-backs in European football, for you know, for certainly last season. So, you need, he, and I think Trent maybe knows that himself. Do you know what I mean? So there's a, the, as you've just said there, what Carragher was saying, there's an apathy that starts to bre- creep in, isn't there? Where they think, well, I know I'm never getting dropped. You know, if he's fit, he's playing really, isn't he? You know what I mean? Klopp's going to play him, and it'll almost be like, well, I'm going to play him through this bad spell. And that is where you do need, you know, proper options, like prop something, something else to be yeah, able and to even say. Even though well, he hasn't been fit, he's went and bought that Simicast, didn't you? Yeah. And, and Robertson's sort of thinking, hold on. Yeah. You know, you know what this I mean? kid's probably good enough. He might not be, he might not be at, at Robertson's level, but he's mm. certainly, you, you'd hope, capable enough to come in, mm. you know, and cover for him. So, I think there is, there is, you know, it's something that I don't think we'll address it in January, but something that we probably will look to address maybe in the summer. Um, that right back area is, is just another option for us because I, I know I, I do feel that there's been an element of Trent resting on his laurels a little bit, you know, and sort of just doesn't seem to be playing with that same um, sort of enthusiasm. It's a little bit more of like a bit more of a swagger than we've seen last season, you know, in in his play, which I think is counting against them. Jibble Sadibis. Well, for coming back to the Premier League, Mills. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Tell you what, it's go past us at Anfield. No one I'm uh, just going to say, Terry, to talk about the positives of the game. 
three goals in quick succession killed the game really quickly. Didn't yeah. allow Villa any chance to come back into it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it's important that you know that basically we got a response after the half time. You know, the, after the interval, because you know, as as Gary said before, it was it was really really poor that first half. You know, it was it was one of them where you're like, oh, what's happening? So to come out and, and obviously get three, you know, pretty quick fire goals um, and just sort of put the tie to bed, ease that pressure a little bit, and then everyone can sort of like you know. Take a take a bit of a breath is really important, and and in in a way, I know it's it, it it's not great for us to be playing strong sides against what are ostensibly a youth team for for Aston Villa. In a, in a way, I'm 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 glad that we did, you know, because it made sure that we got the job done, and it also does sort of send a bit of a message to the players that you're not too big, you know, to 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 sort of feature in this game, and and, and hopefully it gives everyone a little bit of a kick up the backside. So speaking about sending a message, was taking Henderson off at half time a message from Klopp? Um I, I think first and foremost playing him in defence is possibly a little bit of a smoke signal to the board, you know, that I'm having to play me captain and me um, who has probably been the main midfielder for us last season, you know, at at the centre of the defence, alongside me holding midfielder. I think there's there's certainly a little bit, you know, he probably thought he'll do he'll be the best person for the job, but at the same time, it does send a message when you've got your two two of your midfield from last year playing at the heart of your defence, doesn't it? So I think that's certainly a message to the board that you know we probably do need some reinforcements coming in in January. Um, Henderson going off, I, I, I think it's it, it's it's a little bit. Of, I, I don't think it's a message as almost like you know. You're not good enough or anything like that. Doesn't he, do that very often, though, does he? Um, no, particularly to his senior players. He wasn't having a great game, but at the same time, there's also you know a massive game on the horizon, isn't it? Mm. And it's like you're not having your best game, and you know, horses really, horses, we should be doing. Yeah, yeah. We, we probably do need a proper centre back in there, um, and and at the same time, we can't really risk not having you available against mm. Man U. So. I I think that there's there's every chance that that might have been a pre a, like a, a pre planned sort of thing in the hope that we would have won the game or got it got it won near as near as most in the first half and it didn't quite pan out that way and but and, and he's came off anyway um, but listen I, I'm just glad that we're into the next round you know what I mean I want us and and it's really good I've seen Ginny Wijnaldum come out in the press recently saying you know we want to win everything we haven't won this one before so. You know, we we want to we want to win this. You know, the, the FA Cup, and and I'm really pleased that you know that that is the message that's coming out the squad because it, the, we have been guilty in the past. The club's been guilty in the past of not taking the domestic cups too seriously, and you know, in a, in its own way, it's paid dividends. We've won leagues, we've won Champions League and stuff. So we can't really sort of say it's a bad call, but I am I, I do want to see see us go deep in these competitions now. You know, and, and really really fight on all fronts. So I'm liking that message coming out the squad and. And I'm glad we're just in the next round. We got the point. Say we got the points. We got the we got the win. We got what we needed to do done. And the scoreline reflects what we would have expected going into it. Um, it didn't quite pan out that way for 45 minutes, but the game's won, isn't it? So what more can you say? Uh, not a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> Move on to us, Judgey. The Blues um, started well first five or ten minutes, and I was thinking, no, Luca Dean looked good. Anthony Gordon looked sharp. Saint Tosin took his goal well. I was thinking this is going to be a walk in the park. All of a sudden, I think our goal sort of made them think. There's no financial incentive to draw here. We can't get them back to our ground for a re- replay. We've got to go for it. And for the remainder of the first half, we were terrible. What, what happens? Well, Terry just spoke about it before. I, I like when you're coming up against an opposition where they're maybe not pushing you as hard as you're expecting or you know the quality isn't what you, you're used to. And that was almost the worst thing that could have happened to us scoring mm-hmm. that early because it was such an easy goal, wasn't it, as well? You know, It wasn't like we cut them open with really good football. Anthony Gordon's kind of turns, half turns, and 
clipped one over the top. It was no more than a space, a, yeah. It was a hopeful ball, wasn't it? And when Cheng Tosin gets away from their centre-backs, you're thinking, what's going on here? Because <laughs> yeah. he, he looked like he'd done them for pace, hadn't yeah. he? Or he timed... And, and, and as you say, we'd started really well. We created a few other opportunities. Andre Gomez has kind of scuffed one wide. Well, a few decent crosses into the box. We almost looked like we could have been two or three up. And, and the players, you know, almost just sat back and, and thought, yeah, you know, we've got this here. We mm. can we can almost play in second gear. And like you say, they they up the intensity of the work rate off the ball. And I think when you, when you do drop back to a, a lower gear, particularly when you're not, you know, top players, which some of them on the pitch, the likes of Gordon and Tosin and and, and Andre Gomez not playing that well. Tom Davies hasn't hasn't had a great period, full stop for the last few years. When you're at, you're not at the very top of your game. It's hard to then pick that back up again. And we've seen that. We, you know, we had to make numerous changes in the ends just to kind of kickstart the Four game. Subs, yeah. yeah, and he wouldn't have he wouldn't have appreciated having to do that. But you know, we we, we spoke a little bit in our group about clearly, you know, of it. Verbally, what you could hear from Ancelotti, he wasn't happy with a few of the players, notably Anthony Gordon being one of them. Mm. Um, he wasn't happy with the work rate of, of him off the ball. Luca Dean got exposed by Ola Sunday, their, their fullback. He was, yeah. he was a really good player, to be fair to him. Um, apparently, he was on, I don't know if he was on trial at United when he came from the MLS, or he, he has a short term deal there, but looks a good player. Him, he but, got better know, and better, didn't he? As Dean he did, got he's, more tired. He's athletic, isn't he? And, you know, he, he got an engine on him, and Luca Dean had just come back, you know, from a you know, a, a pretty you know notable injury, yeah, so he, he wouldn't injury, have been yeah. up for a you know a tiring game, was he? He's the one to ease himself in, and I think if has Ancelotti have appreciated the lack of support he was going to get from from um Tom, from Anthony Gordon, Gordon yeah. and the you know the the intensity at which their their right back was going to play may not have started them, mm. uh, and it, it did prove you know difficult for for Luca Dean down that side and, and for us in general saw the best and worst of Gordon in about 20 minutes because he got yeah. the assist he had a mazy run where he probably should have scored where he took about three of their players on and then he leaves Luca Dean that exposed that we can hear the manager I live yeah. three miles from Goodison I could nearly hear Angelotti <laughs> from my garden shouting at Anthony Gordon so I think that's food for thought for us as fans who've been shouting for Gordon to maybe even show us he's not quite ready well we even seen at Sheffield United didn't we mm-hmm. and it wasn't uh, for me it was almost the opposite of Sheffield United he was very disciplined but he was so disciplined that he's shown us absolutely nothing going mm. forwards when he got the ball. He was really safe. It just shows a lot of inexperience, doesn't it? He, the, the lad is still very young. Um, he's clearly got some some bits there, but, mm. you know, the, as I say, the, the, the <laughs> Ancelotti had to work harder than some of our players <laughs> just to try and get what he wanted from him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he, as you, like you say, I think a lot of our fans would have appreciated the reason why he's not on the team from the Sheffield United game and this one. Because yeah. we've had messages, haven't we, in the past saying, would you play Anthony Gordon more? And I think we've mm. probably said, yeah. But for yeah. me, that opened my eyes on Saturday. And something else that opened my eyes was the amount of times we were exposed. The ball was in our box. And our keeper was making saves non-stop. And I was looking at the replays and I was trying to assess how this happening. Tom Davies and Andre Gomez were just not up for any sort of battle on Saturday. And for the team from the Championship to come to a Premier League ground... You've got to be ready to have at least a fight with them, and them yeah. two just weren't up for it. Yeah, and that's not we. That's not that's not shouldn't be a revelation to us, should it? No, no I mean, the, the, them them two have been notorious in the last couple of years for for not really being that type of, and that's why we went out in the summer. We spoke so much tirelessly, didn't we, on yeah. this podcast about needing a workman like midfield and box to box midfielders, and that's what we got in the shape of Zakora and Alan. Mm. 
you know, they, they had a, a really good start to the season as our form tip. They maybe had a bit of a mixed patch, but there was no doubt that without since they've been absent from the team, there's, there's been a, a large gap there that we're, we're struggling to fill. Mm. And that's why we've had to go to this more rigid disciplines 4-4-2 with, with centre-backs playing in the defence to kind of overcompensate because what, what they were also having to do and what, the, what they were doing, Tom Davies unsuccessfully and, and Andre Gomez, we, they were trying to do the role of Decore and Allen where they go and cover the wingers. And while they were doing that, they weren't able to, you know, between them, tactically work out how they were still going to cover the midfield. They both end up on one side and it was yeah. a big hole in the midfield. So, yeah, it, 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 it really did... Really did suffer as a result of, of of those two either not working it out tactically or, or just not being able to cover the ground that they were expected to. What did you make of Ben Godfrey? Because I think we were calling for him to probably play centre half. He got moved to the left 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 back eventually. Yeri Mina came on, and I think that made us look more solid. But before mm. then, what did you make of his performance? Um, he was exposed, wasn't he? To be fair to him, yeah. Do, do you know what? I, I think I said a few times one v one whenever the ball's in like that channel, and he and he's asked to go and kind of go across and, and sweep up or to, mm. to go and marshal a player. He looks really comfortable. Um it's the it's the it's the organization side of it and his awareness of his of his you know his his partner and how he supports him which which maybe yeah. isn't as good as it should be. Sometimes he overcovers on one side. So if the ball's like on, on the opposite centre back side, he, he almost like wants to go and get that as well because mm. he knows he's quicker and that's 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 just a little bit of an experience in there. Um but I, I thought he's an okay. I, I think you can see aerially what we miss when Yerimina isn't in the team, and I yeah. never thought I'd say that, but I think you noticed it as well while while the game was going on. He, he is a, he's very comfortable in the air. I mean, he doesn't mm-hmm. even have to jump, does he? Just stands there and pins himself to his man, and he yeah, gets his head he on wins, it. Yeah. And and Godfrey has to work really hard to be as 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 much of a physical presence as Mina, yeah. and that's where I think when you when you establish the strengths of your your, your centre back partner. You start to work out, okay, well, I, I'm not going to go for this ball, Michael Keane, mm-hmm. and go, or go and win it. Yeah. And Michael Keane thinking, I'm not going to go for that. You know, Godfrey will go and sweep up. So I think it was more that they, they didn't really understand each other as well as, mm-hmm. as maybe Keane and Mina do, or Holgate and, and Keane do. Keane's having a bad time, isn't he? He has a bad game against United in the Cup, and that's happened a number of times for Keane. He can't let that one bad game go. He seems yeah. to always take it in. And I think again on Saturday, I think he didn't help Godfrey at all. Yeah, there's a number of times he, he lost his duels, lost his I, battles. Again, no, I, I think that's a little bit. I wasn't really looking at it as an individual thing. I just thought it was a sign of a, a lack of coherence between them. Mm-hmm. I, I just think there was battles that he was trying to win that normally he doesn't have to win because his partner wins them, and there was battles that you know Godfrey was trying to win that he was giving away fouls from. That he, it was one of them, and I think that it, you, you do. It's 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 probably misunderstood a little bit generally from from the normal watching public how important a relationship is when it comes to centre backs. It's not it's not like two midfielders or two well probably similar to two strikers. To be fair, when you used to play the four four two, it was all about relationship, mm-hmm. weren't it? You understanding your partner and who's going to win the flick on, who's going to run yeah. onto it, stepping yeah. overs and stuff like that. It's the same with the centre backs, and we haven't had it. That you know the <coughs> mean and keen has been our most settled partnership, hasn't it? And when yeah. we've when we've had clean sheets or we've been at our best, it's been them too. But if you're going to ask me who are our... If you ask, I've done a poll of the fans who are our best individual centre-backs. Keane and Mina probably be I down know, the Mina list a little bit. Mina would be up there. I think Mina, Mina's one of those players I look at and think he'll battle for us today. He might not win every ball and he might be a little bit dangerous at times, but he, he, he fights. He fights for Everton. You know what I mean? You'd always see him... You can imagine if you were a striker, you'd hate to play against Jerry Mina because he just looks like a horrible... Look at the Cavani incident against United. Pinching Cavani's ass, the next thing he nearly got him sent off. Yeah, it, it took him a while to, to settle into the 
the Premier League, hasn't yeah. it? And and you could see the way he plays plays for, or played for Colombia and what he offered there. You could see why, you know, brands or whatever was keen to bring him there because you mm. know being such a powerful physical presence and you know being a bit of a captain figure for for Colombia and 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 really being something of a leader and. You could see why he, he was sought after by Brands to bring him to the Premier League, and you can now see how their attributes have come together. Because admittedly, in the first six months, I'm thinking he's a misfit here. Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know, he's another. You know, he's another Funes Mori. He's, yeah. he's too reckless. You know, he doesn't. Even, he, his balance looks off and all that. But you know, adjusting to the tempo of the Premier League was a was a big deal for him. Um, and you know what? I think he is still going to have the odds game where he loses the plot a little bit because he, like you say, he does play with his heart on his sleeve and. Mm. Sometimes that you know that that doesn't really work out for him, but uh, you know I think like like going back to the original point, I think I think we've we've seen on Saturday with his absence what what he does offer us. So if someone didn't get the computer out on Saturday and start drawing lines all over the place, saying Tosin would have scored two goals, one would have been the winner. What does that do? Does it put a few more million on him, or does it give him at least a role till the end of the season? Uh, I, I think the former more than anything else. Mm. I, I'd I'd like I'd like to think that it, it was just. It puts him in the shop window a little bit more. Um, you know, he took his goal really well, and I think you know, Pricey was saying in our Everton group, Rainey, you know, he's the best finisher we've got at the club, and can't really argue with that. You know, if you just put a ball into the box and he's unmarked or whatever, then you would fancy mm. him most of the time. Um, or you know, he, if he if he's in front of goal, he's one v one. He's the most experienced of our forwards, and he's probably got the best goals record throughout his career. But I was making the point that I think every club in the Premier League has got a really solid finisher. But you know Liverpool let one go in in, in Ryan Brewster, brilliant finisher, but he hasn't got enough Nothing facets else, to his yeah. game. Every one of them, you know, every club, you know, West Brom have got Charlie Austin, great finisher, doesn't play enough because he, he doesn't offer enough, you know, mm. anything else. So I think every club could in the Premier League certainly could offer or put up and say he's an excellent finisher, he's a brilliant finisher. But you know, you need to have more to your game if you're going to play regularly, particularly if the if the team plays different systems, and mm. he's just not going to offer us that, Cheng Tosin. Um, if anything, I think we, you know, I'd like to think that if Cheng Tosin would have been able to be sent out on loan, we probably wouldn't have sent, you know, Moise Keane on loan. And he may have yeah. got more minutes, but I think they knew that they had to send someone out to balance the books or, or you know, to, to make sure that there was going to be game time for all the forwards. And, you know, they weren't able, you know, there weren't enough suitors for, for, for Cheng Tosin. Mm. Probably a combination of his wages and, you know, and, and again, the type of player he is. But, yeah, I'd like to think that the goal and possibly two goals will, will make some clubs think, well, yeah, he can offer us something and, and that we can get shut of him in January and maybe bring in one or two reinforcements in mm. our forward department. I think it, w- it was that bad. Our man of the match was a substitute. Abdelaide Corey. I mean, <clears throat> when we first signed him from Watford, because I don't watch Watford a lot, I didn't really know what we were getting. I was looking in black and white. He works hard, he does this. Doesn't always work like that, but now he's, he's first name on the team sheets, especially without Alan. He, he's, he was so important on Saturday, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I mean, in a mad way, I think the Reds has a little bit more respect for Decore before he comes to us than we did because they've mm. seen him play really well against them for yeah. Wofford, both at Anfield and, and at Vicarage Road. We'd seen him as a bit of a, oh, he, he looks like he plays well in the big games, but we don't really see him that much apart mm. from that. Um, but you know what? You know, you've seen a lot of the feedback from the Wofford fans when he left, weren't it? They were all saying, look, you've got yourself a top player, good luck and all yeah. that. You've gave everything while you've been there. And we've seen nothing but that. Whether he plays well, you know, somewhere in between or, or poorly, he, he, n- he never lacks that application. He's he? everywhere. He covers every blaze of grass and there's always a place in your team, isn't there, for someone like that? Yeah. And, and, you know, not to mention he's a beast as well. 
he's such a you know yeah. such a physical guy you know and, and when you're one v one against them you must feel it you know if you're in that midfield yeah. and you know that was noticeably what we were missing in that first half and you know he's also coming and showing what he can do uh, it's, I think it's one of them he's he's probably sitting on that bench thinking I could come here and and, and walk this yeah, here bust, yeah. because I can get up and down the pitch and noticeably no one's getting in the box and no one no one's really making runs yeah. from, from deep. I was going to say that about him. I think that's another part of his game. Like, with, with, with Adrissa Guy, he's had a player who'd work hard and get about and break things up and stuff like that. I know he added a little bit more forward impetus to his game in his latter time at Everton, didn't he? He started to, like, you know, get involved a little bit more in attacks. But I think with Decora, you've got a very, very lively box-to-box midfielder, haven't you? He's there. He can get in and around the box. He will get in and around the box. He'll get chances. And although his finishing can be a little bit erratic at times he's still a threat isn't he you know so I, I you know I, I agree with you I think he for me watching what I've seen of Everton I think he's definitely probably up there with one of your players of the season he, so he, far isn't he, he is definitely and we, people, we, people say box to box midfielder he is an yeah, actual is, yeah. box to box midfielder he will in the same move win the ball back for you then try and shoot yeah. and he's, he's not been part of the whole move you know what I mean he's everywhere yeah he, he's one of them as well where there's a counter attack He's he's the fair, he's the deepest one back because he covers that much ground yeah. to get back quick enough, and like you say, he, he's he's always the f- when we're breaking, you'll see him just tearing past our players yeah. to get in the box. But we haven't had a player like that, and and he wasn't the same physical prowess as. We haven't had a player like that since Tim Cale, mm. who literally dominates in in most areas. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And um, I think Tim Cale, if he had the physical like ability to cover the ground that Takora had would have been some player because yeah. he, he always worked hard didn't he Kyle but you just lacked that yard didn't he to kind of sometimes take him away from players yeah. but Takora he's got that as well so yeah y- you're right obviously man of the match because he ends up getting the winner but he made such a noticeable difference to the team when yeah. he came on okay to sum it up then we got away with one but that's what the FA Cup's all about isn't it getting away with in, in our previous one yeah when we, we won it all that, that long time ago Bristol City Remember all our yeah, extra ex- yeah, our extra guests always say, "How did we beat?" No, was it oh, Matt, sorry, Matt Jackson? Bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, the one in the, how did the we club. beat them? And yeah. I think any fan listening who remembers that game thought we got battered by a Division One team. So it, it was one we got away with, but it's the cup, isn't it? We're in the next round. Yeah, but by the way, for anyone, I, I was thinking of the Bakayoko one where he scored that free the kick. free kick. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, and, and you only have to look at the the, the Crawley game yesterday with Leeds. Leeds put out a, a stronger side as we put out. Got absolutely tear. Yeah, got smashed by Crawley. So you know it does happen that the players will drop the performance, and yet we did get away from from one, and it's through to the next round. Let's yeah. dust ourselves off and go again. Okay, moving away from the cup. Coming up later on the show, we've got this week in history. Some social media questions. We're previewing the big games of the weekend. Gary, there's a huge game next Sunday. Real Everton. We're going to be talking about that as well. <laughs> But girls, your men can now have a long top. Barbers are closed. Let them get away with it. But do not let them get away with long bottoms. We are here to help you out. Boys, we have all been there. Whether tonight's the night or we're unexpectedly sprung into action, there is nothing worse than checking downstairs and seeing a full-on George W. But lads, do not fear. Us boys at the podcast have got you covered head straight on over to uk.manscaped.com. Manscaped are the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Lads, we all have to landscape down south every now and then. And in order to avoid any absolute catastrophes, we've teamed up with the very best. Precision, skin-safe and innovative in design, power and hygiene. Waterproof technology, up to 19 minutes of battery life and, of course, the very, very fancy LED light 
allowing a closer, precise grooming experience. Manscaped provides the very best tools in allowing us boys to keep things well and truly in order south of the border, including the brand new just released Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaped have just launched in the UK and we at Across the Park are excited to be able to help you boys out in experiencing some truly life-changing products. UK.manscaped.com and input our exclusive code at checkout. Park 20. P-A-R-K 2-0. That will give you guys 20% off as well as free shipping. And girls, trust me, we feel your pain as well. There could be nothing worse than dishing out that token and expecting to see Phil and Grant, but seeing a couple of Robbie Savages instead. Do yourself a favour and your man a favour. UK.manscaped.com Park 20 for 20% off and free shipping. Guys and girls, we here at Across the Park Podcast have got you covered. Okay, this week in history, Judgy, we'll come back to you. Um, get the Reds one a bit later on. This time in 2011, a player who'd been rejecting a deal for around 18 months left Everton for a cup price free. Stephen Pienaar left Everton to go to Tottenham Hotspur. A little bit of history for the listeners who don't remember it. We were trying to time down for around 18 months. I think it came to light now that the, the, the whole kitty went on keeping Mikel Arteta at the football club with a brand new deal. And unfortunately, we, we lost Stephen Pienaar. We were we had a terrible sort of half a season without him. I think we got some results, but the style of football was terrible. Then he came back the following season and you know made it all tick again. What are your memories of that period and, and how you felt when, when Pienaar left? And the football that he played during his absence. Um, first and foremost, I think Stephen Pienaar was was at that time one of the very few aesthetically pleasing players we had. <laughs> you know, we, I used to enjoy going to the game still, as as I always have as an Evertonian. But you know, you you, you knew what you were going to get with the Moyes team. It, it mm. was hard graft, and at times it was an hour of pretty much nothing, just kind of keeping it tight. Yeah. And then we open up towards the end of the game, but. You always knew with the Baines PR relationship and, and, and when the ball came into his feet that he could do something and, and he, he'd link up players. And he was a big part of, I think, Tim Cale being able to have that freedom as well because he create create that or he provide that creative spark from midfield, meaning that he could just concentrate on getting in the box. I think he did compliment uh, and, and got the best out of a lot of other players, not least Leighton Baines. But yeah, at, you know. As you as you rightfully say, I think the focus for the for the board at the time, as we, as we've recent more recently found out, it was keeping our test, and we, we we didn't have a lot of money in that mm. kitty. And if you'd honestly asked me at the time, who do you want to keep our test or peanut? I would have probably went for our test yeah, as well. I think we all would. He yeah. was the yeah, if you like the poster boy, wasn't yeah. he? And, and you know he was adored by the Everton fans. Um, and I think. As I probably thought at the time, okay, I think we can go and get a replacement for Pienaria. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, we, we did struggle to do that. Um, it was around the period, wasn't it, that the Blue Union met Bill Kenwright, and Bill yeah. Kenwright said, like, the money for the PR deal just went to the banks. And then that summer, it was like Kenwright again came out and said, we haven't bought no one because we haven't sold anyone. It was all player trading. So we, we didn't replace Stephen PR, did we? No, no, we didn't. And, and it, like you say, it did have a noticeable impact on, on the performances. We never, you know... I, I don't know the stats at the time, but I think Leighton Baines must have had a really tough time of it as well. Um, we, we lacked balance, we lacked cohesion. Um, and again, like I say, I think the other players in the squad would have felt it as much as, you know, the individual, as much as we felt it in that individual position as well. He was yeah. 
massive parts of the squad and, and it's so difficult to find a player like that who also puts the graft in. I think we spoke a few weeks about a few weeks ago about Pinar on, on the show as well. But yeah, but basically disappointing to lose him. And I think it it goes to show how much we lost him the by the fact we went back in for him. You yeah. know, we did we didn't find anyone else. We got him back on, on um deadline day two thousand twelve, but I think I might save that for another week in history because that deadline day was a big one for us. We it sort of turns our yeah. season around. But some of the players that we tried to replace Stephen Pienaar with, my guy Gay played left wing for a while, who wasn't ready. I think he tried to change the system and play Baines as sort of a left midfielder. Yeah. Royston Gente came in and was never out oh of never God. out of Matthew Street. He yeah, just yeah. didn't last long. So, you know, I remember thinking back that it similar to you probably that it, we could replace him. Um, logistics I, meant we couldn't, and it, we just suffered for a while. I actually thought as well, oh, come on, then we're gonna go and get a proper winger now. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like just Billy was there as well. Yeah, wasn't yeah, he? Billy Lettenoff. That was I went I went. That was what I was going to mention when I first, we first started talking about him, but I thought, I'm not going to commit to that because I thought, I thought it might have been a little bit later. But um, no, We were calling for him as fans, I remember, and then, again, you were just like, oh, he hasn't got it. Yeah. Uh, dead ball sounds, but when you're on to run and stuff, you ain't getting on. Yeah, that's it. But No, very very underrated player, I think, by other other teams, you know what I mean, and, 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 and you know the Premier League in general. I don't think any... Mm. You know, from the outside looking in, many people appreciated him as much as we did as fans, but... Yeah, he, he was a fantastic player, and that was a tough one for us. Yeah, makes you makes you look back and appreciate a bit now where the club is financially. Yeah. Because back then it wasn't too too long ago we were losing players for two million quid, <laughs> who you know were great players. Moving on to the Reds, Gary, this week in history, around about this time, if what it turns out that you're listening, I was devastated. You got rid of Roy Hodgson, <laughs> uh, but you brought in King Kenny Dalglish to replace him. I think Kenny lasted eighteen months. Le- Let's go back. I know you don't like talking about this time, but let's go back to the builds up to Roy Hodgson leaving. I think it was a game of Blackburn just lost, wasn't it? And it just became like unbearable. Gerard was missing penalties. I think Ido Ayans was visibly <laughs> angry. And you remember the builds up to where it got where it got to the point where it was no. Sounds like a great time. <laughs> it was a great time for me. So is this a week in history for Everton or Liverpool? No, but from your memory going into like where there was a point of no return, how, how bad was it for you? Yeah, there was there was a lot of things to be honest, and it was. A lot of it was Hodgson's own doing. Um, there was games like, like you'll remember yourself, the derby, you beat us, and it was, he's come out after the game saying it was the one of the best performances of the season for Liverpool, and, and we did well. He was p- pleased with what he's seen, and you can't come away from Merseyside derby saying you're pleased with the defeat. It's, mm. it's ridiculous. And there was other th- there was, there was things he come out and said, like, Liverpool are too big to be relegated. That was one of he's his won, famous He was one at Bolton, and he was on Sky, he called a historic. Yeah, but I mean, it, it, there was the other stuff, wasn't it? Remember, I think it was Ferguson called Torres a diver, and and he got pressed on it, and he says, "I'm not going to criticise Sir Alex; he's a friend and all that." And it was like, "Come on, defend your defend your player." It's you Liverpool know what I mean? United, like, this, yeah. it's Liverpool United, mate. No one wants to hear you like chatting that you're mates with Ferguson, and that's so you're not going to like stand up for your own player. <laughs> and I, I think for us, you know, you mentioned there was like, a dark cloud. <laughs> yeah, it was a grim time, and you know, even just as Gary just said there, you know, saying we're not big enough to get relegated. Just look at his signings that he made in this period. You know, like Paul Konchesky, Christian you know, Poulsen, you know, like Brad Jones, and it's like that, what was that? Um, that Eastern European Jovanovic, Jovanovic, yeah, Raul Morelos came in as well. He wasn't too bad. He was okay, but then you know, you mentioned I think it was the Blackpool game was the one that everyone sort of you know. Oh, Blackpool was Kenny's first game. I think it was Blackburn away. Oh, was it Blackburn? Yeah, sorry. Kenny came for Blackpool, didn't he? If you remember, we went out in the League Cup to Northampton on pens. Do you know what I mean? And this was they were a League Two side at the time, and I think they were like 18th or something in the league when we played them. If I remember rightly, so it's like. You know, 
that period in, in, in our history, it, it, I think most Liverpool fans just sort of erase it. Don't so certainly try and blank it out as much as possible until you get an Evertonian reminds and you're yeah, like, it up on this week <laughs> in history. But this week in history was a good time, you know, because it, as you say, it was it, it was when we finally got shut of him and we managed to close that chapter, and it was just a, a miserable spell in. Probably in the history of the club, you know, in its own way, it was the it was the dying days of the Hicks and Gillette regime, you know, sort of, and and all of that sort of side of things, and and you know, we had temporary CEOs, and Benitez got pushed out, and then Hodgson came in. It was just an absolute stinker of a time, really. Um, oh, they, they, they got, excuse me, Hicks and Gillette got outed in like the October, yeah, and he was sacked in the January, wasn't yeah, he? Imagine. Yeah. They weren't outed. And well, they exactly. Weren't yeah. in. It that's, was just like leading to it. That's what I mean. And that you know, finally getting shut of him in the January was the final bit where we thought we'd drawn a line under that proper miserable period. And you know, mm. that 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 six months was just diabolical. You know, and and and, and really bad. So this week in history is a really good one for me because we, yeah, it was when we got shut of him and, and obviously Daglish came in. Uh, Do you remember for you as fans? Was it always, did you just want Dalglish? Or were you thinking, like, we'll go and get like a European manager? Or was, was Kenny, like... It's not always well-received because he's Kenny Dalglish, but in your private, like, WhatsApp groups and that, was it always get Kenny? No. I wish we had Terry's dad here. Yeah. <laughs> Judgey and my dad had a, a bit of a, a bit of a bust-up on this in, in, really? in the past, yeah. Because Judgey was, like, like prodding my dad and winding him up. And obviously, Kenny Dalglish, my dad's favourite player and stuff and everything that, you know, he'd he done for Liverpool and stuff. But in fairness, you know... I, I, I don't think there was many Liverpool fans that said he was the wrong appointment. You know, mm. it, he, he came in to unite the club, you know, and get us back onto a Liverpool footing. And that's the important thing, you know, regardless of how successful or what trophies he won. And, and he, in the league, it wasn't so great, but as a cup manager, you were actually all right. Well, in, yeah, in a, lot of of, a lot of the bringing Daglish back in as manager was to settle us back down again. Mm. Get us bringing yeah. the feel good. Yeah, yeah. get, get, get us way. back to not hating every part of the club. You know, it was it was uniting everyone, everyone together again, except obviously the owners until FSG come in. Um, and even as Terry said, there his, his cup runs were really good. We we probably should have won both both trophies. Yeah. You know, we've Andy Carroll hadn't peeled off celebrating. He's a, he's a put the ball in the back of the net against Chelsea, and we were on the up there. We'd have probably went on to win the game. And you know, it it, it was it was one of them for me. He he done exactly what he needed to when when he did eventually leave. You know, it, it, some people were like. Is it a bit harsh? Because he, he he hadn't done too well in the league, but he hadn't done as as badly as we were doing. He he progressed slightly. He'd got us to a two cup finals, won one of them. You know, his record weren't too bad. So the the fact that he, he left when he did, some people weren't weren't too happy about it. And you know, it it was one of them. It just showed that he he done the job he was brought in to do for Liverpool mm. because everyone was united again. Yeah, and that's it. So it you know it was it was an appointment that. Saved its purpose, and he was the only man I think who could have came in at that time to sort of, you know, to to, to get to us back that. on that even keel, and also probably the only one who could hold his head up high, and sort of at the end when FSG really needed their own new man, new blood, you know, and sort of like maybe we've took this as far as we can go. We can't just mm. cling on to the nostalgia thing. He was the, probably the only person who you know would have the dignity to go. That's fine. You know, I'm not going to kick up a stink. I'm not going to pull a club through the mud and say I've got us to two cup finals and yeah. all that. He, you know, he, as 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 awkward and and thingy as it was, as Gary said, some fans weren't weren't fully on board with 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 making the change. I think you know it was probably the right thing to do, and Daglish was never ever going to sort of spit his dummy out and and you know put the club in an un- uncomfortable position. So, in hindsight as well, probably the first foundation to where he's are now. Yeah, you know, it, it was just it was certainly a you know. A, 
a step on the on the road and where we've ended up. You know, it 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 was necessary to sort of just instill a little bit of that sort of Liverpool feel back into the club, which have been so lost and thrown out under Hicks and Gillette and the various you know Rafa with all his infighting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Rafa and stuff, but by the end of his re- his time, it was you know there was a the club was in we, we were just in the papers and the headlines for the wrong things all the time. You know, with lots of infighting and and the money side and Hicks and Gillette and then Hodgson and Poulsen and all these terrible players. It was just like just. You know, Zaglish coming in was the right thing at the time, and and you know, getting shut at Hodgson this week in history was a, a positive. <laughs> okay, well, both those um, weeks in history were 2011. But if our listeners want us to cover anything in particular, get in touch at Across the Park PC on Especially Twitter. If you can find any more negative times <laughs> for the <laughs> yeah, some more Hodgson stuff. <laughs> it's also at Across the Park PC on Instagram, or the contact us form is on our Tinternet page www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. I think if you you've have been in touch as well, Gary, you've got some some listener questions for us. Yeah, the first one was uh, during the during your FA Cup tie. It's more of a statement than than anything else. It was from Neil. Oh no, it was the evening after it. He must have been watching match of the day. I think yeah. <laughs> Tom Davis is the worst midfield I've ever seen play for the Royal Blue. Thank God for Decore. Gonna come to the podcast next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking my language, mate. Um, worst, worst midfielder you've ever seen for Everton. Um, would it be? Would it be Tom Davies? No, this is not saying yes or no. Would it be Tom Davies? Klaus Thompson. And then would it? Then would it be Tom Davies? Close. Okay. Close. Yeah, he's up there, like bad player. Tom. Look, I've said this before. Proper harsh. That is. That is a bit harsh. You've had some poor players. No, no, no. Can you name? As Red, can you name a top of your head? I'm not for or against the message. I'm just saying, can you? No, if, listen, it's ha- if you're saying that's harsh, then no, I think I think it is harsh. I'm being honest. It, it, it is harsh. We, we've we've had some poor players that have looked okay because of the system and the way they're playing. Like I think we used to play long ball. There must have been some bad players in them teams, but they were obviously is, never. Is, is Scott Gemmell a better player than Tom Davis? Probably is. Yeah. <laughs> is, Mark, is, Mark Pem- is Mark Pembridge a better player than Tom Davis? Um, uh, d- don't know. Uh, I, Pem- Pembridge Listen, these, these, these no, might hands up on us so better be player better player so if you're saying better players he had an impact on the game yeah okay. Mark Pembridge could tackle and he had a decent set piece on him yeah. that's that's what I was going to get to like if you, if you just base it on watching a game of footy and you know as what he can do you know he can receive the ball really well he, you know he can play under pressure I've said this before he's got loads of attributes and you know you don't come through an academy system the way Tom Davies is. You don't make your debut at 17 against Man City and score. He he's potentially could be a very, very good player, but what he produces on the pitch on a regular basis, there's not many players that have been as consistently poor as him for so long and got away with it. Because um, could, could, he's been compared in that message to Decore. Could he no, ever learn no, to, to no, have that role no, where it's no, more engine? No, no, no. Can't teach that? No, I mean... It, with his up and down the pitch, getting involved in everything. He does, he, he does that, doesn't he? But he doesn't get involved, he doesn't do anything. Runs around a lot, but he doesn't do anything. I, 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 he just doesn't read, he hasn't got a football brain, he hasn't got a good enough, he, he hasn't got like, can't anticipate. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's and getting in, being in the right place at the right time, making challenges is as much about your physical ability as it is your ability to anticipate and know where the ball's going to be, to know when to make a foul. He doesn't make fouls enough. He doesn't foul players enough at the right times for me. Mm. He makes fouls at the wrong time. So he'll have a player with his back to goal who's going nowhere and he'll push him. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, do you know what I mean? And he does things like that consistently. Like, he'll, he'll, he'll turn 
and then he'll have an opportunity to pass forwards and then pass backwards. And it's like you've done the hard bit. What, what are you doing? Like he, he very rarely, very rarely like clips the ball into corners. You know, to get yourself get you further up the pitch. He'd sooner like pass and put a, a, a defender in trouble. There's just stuff like that that you just can't. It's so hard. Do you, do you don't think it's a case watch. for him now that you know he's at he's at his, his hometown club um, and. It's just not really going right for him. Is he just completely devoid of confidence and stuff now? Where basically, yeah, could you see him go somewhere else and, yeah. and be an okay player? Yeah, and, and, yeah. And, I, and I think that's the thing. Whereas at Everton, it's just not going to work for him because there's. It's almost like he's past that just breaking through stage, but he's not good enough to really be a part of the I've team. He just needs to go somewhere since else. Since he started this podcast, then he needs to go on loan, and, and now it's got to the point. It's too where late he's, now. Yeah, he just needs to go now. Do you know what I mm. mean? He just needs to go somewhere else, and I've got I've got no doubt that. Like I say, he's got enough bits there that I'm sure another coach in another system uh, with a bit more time to, to build a team around him. It might sound a little... Like a Brighton or a Bournemouth or something? No, I think he'd have to drop down to Championship, if not League One, to get a team that are going to build around him. But that, I think That that's low, really, League One? A Championship, you know, a, a football... The reason I say that is there's not that many proper footballing teams in the Championship. A lot of them go to win points, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like your Brentford, someone like a Brentford, have even got some very good players. I think I don't think he'd get in a Brentford team. No way. You look at the way Brentford play, and mm. they're they're one of the best teams in the championship. Yeah. Look up, look at Norwich. You can get Norwich's team, Campwell and Steeperman and and uh, Emmy Buendia. He's not getting in that team either. So I think he's have he's have to look in the bottom half of the championship, and then you're struggling to find a team that would suit the way he plays. So he might have to go as low as League One. You know the likes of him. What's his name? When when he first signed for Sheffield United, Lundstrom had to go to League One with Sheffield United hmm. before he ended up coming up with them. So it's not unheard of. And I, I, I don't think he should be turning his nose up at that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a perfectly legitimate statement and I can't, I can't help but agree with him. What, what's the listener's name? Neil. Neil, I've got two words for you. Morgan Schneiderlin. <laughs> <laughs> no, Morgan Schneiderlin, when he came in, for, for six months, done more than Tom Davis has ever done. It was around the same time Davis was in, though. Davis was shining in that period as well. I don't know. I, I think Morgan Schneiderlin is a worse midfielder for Everton than Tom Davis. And I might I might change me. To, it, look, it may I, get to a point where I start coming yeah, a bit look, more to Yeah, I, I, I think you can't say he doesn't try. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. So that that's why I, I could never hate him because he, he always tries, do you know what I mean? And, and like... It's not that, and like Terry says, I think there's a lot of kind of psychological mental issues there where I think he is very, you know, he's lacking confidence. He, he's been probably under, he hasn't been really been trusted by anyone for quite some time, has he? And and mm. we've said it before, he's, he's a player who's been under probably five different managers, of which he's never had a consistent system, consistent manager to put his arm around. So there's a lot of factors there as well. And I, yeah, I, I didn't, I'd, I'll never hate him as much as I hated Schneiderlin. <laughs> But if you're going to ask me who was actually a better player, there's no doubt for me Morgan Schneiderlin was a better player. Okay, uh, moving on to the Liverpool question. We've got Craig Roberts wrote in and said, with the confirmation that we're not looking to recruit this window, would you now change the system and see the league out ugly? I know it's against Klopp's ethos, but would would be up for a few months only. Playing the way we do with the players out has exposed us and we've lost points. If so, what system would you go with? Sweeper and two up top for me. Um, 
But I mean, the confirmation that we're not making any signings, I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping that's wrong. To be honest, I know that there's been some sort of intimation of that, but I, I think we will make sign. We might make a signing um, in in this window, and, and the way that Edwards operates, it's generally under the table, and you don't really hear about it until it happens. So let's keep our fingers crossed that we do recruit. Um, but we've had this one a little bit, haven't we? In our group, me, you, and Phil, yeah. we've been like sort of talking about you know systems and 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 what would we do and and what should change and. Whereas the you know who was the listener? Sorry, what was his name? Um, Killed me. Where, where, sorry, where <laughs> Craig he, Roberts. Craig Roberts. Yeah. So where Craig saying you know should we win ugly? Um, that to me implies that he wants to go a little bit more defensively and stuff to, to sort of protect the fact that we've got you know uh, injuries at the back and, and he's mentioned sweeper hasn't he? Yeah, and for me, I'm I'm not sure that that's the tweaks and the changes that I'd make. Um, I I I think. It's it. I was and I was talking about it a little bit before. Um, I think the games. What we're suffering with is a little bit of maybe too familiar up top now, and teams have not not quite worked it out. But I think they've they've realised that if you sit deep against Liverpool at the moment, with some of the rotating and changing in the midfield and stuff, there's a lot of sideways passing and a lot of you know just running into blind channels down the right hand and left hand side. And it's like we've got to come back and we're playing in front of sides. We're not really penetrating through you know and getting past past teams and stuff and, and the goals have dried up you know we we play with basically outside forwards and Mane and Salah and then Firmino and we've talked about it on this podcast a, a lot where you know Firmino drops out and takes defenders out with them but teams are definitely onto it that if you stay if you stay deep and you know the low block and compact against Liverpool we haven't we're not a team that gets to the byline and like cuts balls back in and stuff like that we, we've shown at the recent, recently that we haven't really got a lot of ideas of how to, how to beat that and the goals have dried up so for me the changes that I'd make is is make us a bit more dynamic up front, up top. And I know with Jota being out, after the West Brom game, I thought there was an opportunity against Newcastle to change it up. You know, we've well, seen... To, to, to two, like he says in the message. No, I, what I think I'd do is what, you know, we've seen Klopp try it a couple of times where he's played Firmino in the hole and then he's he's almost played all of his strikers. You know, we, we played Jota, Mane, Salah and, and Firmino. And now Jota's not available, but Shaqiri's fit again. So I think there's certainly things that we could do there, you know, where you could maybe give us a bit more of an option in that number 10 role. Curtis Jones has been getting a lot of games and he's been playing really well for Liverpool, but the last couple of games against them sort of sides, his influence, you can see he hasn't quite got that ability to sort of completely run a game or run an attack, you know, from that, that in that hole. So I think you could you could put Firmino in a more natural position that he played when he was at Hoffenheim as a number 10, or you can play Shaqiri there. You know, I, I've said it loads of times in this podcast that, Shaqiri had one of the best games I've ever seen him play for Liverpool against Southampton away for the first half. He was absolutely brilliant playing in that hole. He got took off at half-time because we were a bit loose in the midfield. But I think we have to accept that we might be a little bit looser in the midfield. You know, and, and against these teams that are going to show very little ambition, West Brom, you know, that, that first half against them was an absolute joke. You know, like it, it was literally... <laughs> They never left the box, you know. It was mm. it, what was their formation a six four or something, and 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 that was it. So it's like, why not be more adventurous against them? You know, you know what you're going to get against an Allardyce side there. Um, and Newcastle was an opportunity we didn't do it. Southampton's probably less likely that we were going to do it because they're you know they're a very industrious side and stuff. Um, but there was still an opportunity to to refresh that attack. I think more than we have been, rather than just keep flogging the Mane, Salah, Firmino and hope that they can come good. That's not working at the moment, and they're, and they're not getting space to run in on, on side. So that's where I'd make the changes up top, as opposed to basically really trying to, you know, really mess around at the back and, and, and put unfamiliar defensive formations in. And I have flirted with us maybe thinking about doing three at the back in the past, but I just don't think we've got necessarily the personnel to do it. Yeah, I think 
with as you say, with the personnel we've got, the ones that are injured, the ones that are available, the the most likely thing we can do the, is is the attack change. You know, I don't think we can change too much in uh, in the defensive part of our game because of you know who's who's out injured, who's available, who's playing where they are. Um, I, I wouldn't go too drastic uh, as as the, the listener said there. I, I wouldn't want us to rip up everything what we've what we've always done and. And then start from the beginning. You know, you're playing different formations, and you're playing different tactics, you're playing dif- different everything. It, it could be become too unfamiliar for the players and, and for how, how they're used to playing in, under Klopp, and it, it could cause us more problems than, than do any good. Um, I know Phil certainly thinks that way. Phil's ob- yeah. obviously said he, he wants us to carry on as we are and basically play through it. Now, I, I get what he's... I, I kind of agree in a way with Phil, but... For me, it's like how long do you persist with that before you're too far behind the pack? You've got Man City now who are putting a run of games together, and it looks like they're they're sort of in their stride this season, and potentially they could go on a run now, eight to ten games unbeaten, win every game, and 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 pull away from the pack. We need to make sure we don't fall too far behind, and if we continue on the way we are, and and try and play through the way we always play, then. I fear that if if it continues the way we've been playing the last few games, we could fall too far behind. Yeah, that and that's what frust- is frustrating for for me because I think in that run of West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton, you know, you had you had the potential to sort of try a couple of things. There's a couple of sides there that you know, you know, really we're going to have a lot of the ball against, um, and and you had the potential to try it, and we didn't. We didn't really make that many changes up top, and now we're in the position of like we've got big games coming up. You know, we play Man U, Spurs, City, and Leicester. In our next seven games, like one thing I would say is the fact that they're the games that are coming up is they're probably a, a more good thing. They're, yeah. yeah, they're probably the games that were more likely to stick how we are and it work. Yeah, yeah, no, and and that's what I was about to say. So it's it's almost like you've got them big games coming up now, so you don't want to change it, you know. Mm-hmm. So you haven't give yourself the opportunity in them other games to sort of maybe try something different, and even against like the cup, you know, the, in the cup games and stuff. It's being completely different sides that are going out up front. So it's like Minamino, Origi and, and stuff like that. And it's like, they're not going to play. We're not going to play them in the league ever. Do you know so in, Klopp's early day, in Klopp's early days, Terry, sorry, did he, before he had Salah, Mane, the system, did he ever go and win ugly? Did he ever go and put like three at the back for the, for the last 20 minutes and go and get 1-0? Is that something he has done with you? Yeah, I've only seen us play three at the back, I think twice. I can't even remember who the opponents were, but I, I remember we've done it under Klopp. Um, so, it's in, so it's in his mind still, maybe? Yeah, but it's it's, it's very rare and, and it's not something we've had to do for a long time since we signed Van Dijk. You know, there's no need for us to go playing three at the back and, and you know, the way our assists... Get, we're we get struggling to get two at the back at the minute. Yeah, but I just don't... I don't <laughs> think... It's, if maybe if we had Gomez and Matip available and we were like leaking goals a little bit, you might think, right, well, we can drop Fabinho in to sit in between them two. And then we can maybe push Trent and Robertson a little bit further forwards, and then you're still, you know, being a little bit more attacking because you've got wing backs and they've got the energy to do it. But when you've got Phillips, Williams, and Fabinho, I'm not. I don't want to see a three at the back with like two kids and Fabinho. Do you know what I mean? It's just not. It's not something that I think we can really do because there's too many moving parts and too many changes, and that's the that's the thing. As Gary said, what fills against these like. Why change something that's worked so well for us for so long? You know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater sort of thing. Is it would be his phrase of there's been a little poor run of form, two points out of nine in the league, but at the end of the day we're still top. You know, we've got players coming back. Jota should be back at the end of Jan. Really, we're only missing Gomez and Van Dijk once we get to the end of January. All being well because we'll have you know everyone pretty much is back now. So let's just in his his message would be let's just be a little bit calmer and let's you know. 
get the ones who we know are our top players on the pitch where we can. So in his mind, that's a Wijnaldum, Thiago and, and Henderson midfield, which we haven't seen. Yeah, and to be honest, during our conversation with Phil, you know, over over the WhatsApp and that, I was I was sort of of the mind that we we need to sort of play with it, play with it a little bit, a little bit of system change, a little bit of tactic change or something like that. But I haven't seen what the what the um, fixtures are coming up. I'm more I'm more likely to be in the same frame of mind as him. But I, I think I'd rather us stick to how we're playing, mm. and these games coming up will suit trying to play through it because they they're not going to be teams that are going to sit back and defend and we're not no. going to be able to break down these are going to be the ones where we're more likely to come out of this rut and you know ho- hopefully that starts with Man United on Sunday yeah absolutely no. yeah so the the final question we've got for, for tonight is another Everton one it says it's from Mick came through on the website he said we need some pace but just as importantly someone that can actually beat a man 1v1 and commit players very easy to defend against with, with it all being one pace and in front of the opposition I think that's probably a, a reflection of of what people were watching in the game on at the weekends. I, I wouldn't. I mean, we've lost a little bit of pace because we've lost like Walcott and haven't brought anyone in like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I wouldn't say Walcott was the man who goes and beats players one v one. We missed pace more against West Ham when Awobi was injured, didn't we? Yeah, that's, 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 that's what I mean. I, what I was going to say, I think when we got everyone fit, then I wouldn't say we, we lack pace per se. I think you know mm. you've got. Decore in the midfield that, that's got pace from deep. You've got, you know, Richarlison, Calvert Luna, and Wobi aren't slow. You've got James um, Rodriguez and Luca Dean. Yeah, and yeah. and yeah, so I th- I think it's I think it's when we're missing one or two players. We are <laughs> I think the squad in general isn't isn't blessed with, with an abundance of pace, is it? I think you it's know depth as well. It's it's so exposed when those key mean. players are gone. That's what I mean. I think so our, our first eleven I think is fairly ba- fairly well balanced considering where we are in the league and you know what you can realistically expect but beyond the first 11 or 13 14 players you are struggling to to match what we've got there haven't you but you know there's not a lot of teams that have got that either you know you look past Liverpool's front three apart from Jota now the only just brought in in the summer by the way and they're champions mm. they haven't got that that you know that that pay, explosive pace up there either have you so it's it's not that easy to come by whilst also getting players to fit into your system do you think that you should go into the market in January you know, in this window, and, and you've been linked in the past with Zahar, and you can see how one hundred and ten percent we'll be in the in the market in January. Do you think he's he's someone that you could sign? Because obviously you were linked with him, and you can see how sort of not 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 easy to play against, but how different you are as Zahar when Richarlison's off yeah. it and not not in form. Tell you what, if we had Zaha, Richarlison, and, and Calvert Lewin, it, it's a complete that deal won't team. happen for the no. simple reason it it was Machiri who was pushing for it, and mm-hmm. it was Brands who was sort of saying we, we can't pay what you're willing to pay; it's not worth it. Let's get Palace down. And Machiri was apparently he was the one who said, "No, I want this marquee player. I want Wilfred Zaha." Now we've got Hamas Rodriguez. That won't happen. He won't he won't pay that level of money at the team. I also, I also think as well, Ancelotti's got his own players in, in his mind. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I think he's yeah. still trying to pick some of those Napoli players off that maybe um, Gattuso doesn't fancy. So I think it's more likely we're, we're going to look for a, a foreign player, someone that Ancelotti's maybe worked with before or, you know, would fancy working with. Um, it might still happen, but I think like Mills, he said, I, th- I, th- I think the sense behind it, as in, you know, they're the three key players, aren't they? And signings yeah. is is man the manager, obviously Ancelotti, Michele, the owner, and and Brands. I think two out of the three probably wouldn't fancy it as much, and therefore you yeah. know maybe all three if you say that Marky signing was what you know Michele wanted. Yeah. But I, I no doubt we'll be in the market. I, I think we'll be in the market for for a midfielder, 
and you know a, a winger or a forward you, you can give us a, a bit more pace and, and probably take a little bit of the pressure off Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well so you mm. may be talking two or three players mm. but then it's got to be realistically you know who can we afford to bring in got to, got to make that window count well the finance for fair play suspended absolutely <laughs> yeah just, just, just <laughs> pile, it, anyone. pile it on yeah give Cheng Tosin a new contract while you're at it um, but yeah I, I, you know unlike yourselves I don't even think there's even worth asking the question of Angelotti Iron Mark because I think everyone knows that he, he's going to fancy. I, I think he's in a really good position as a manager. If you if you want to say to Angelotti at the start of the season, what type of positions you need to be in to convince the board to give you more money? I don't think you could write this any better. It's so tight up there. It's wide open. You know, we're we're not top, we haven't like overperformed. Therefore, you can see the odd performances like the the Newcastle one, the Leeds one. You can see where we're short. Yeah. He only has to say, look, two players there. I'll I'll guarantee we'll win them games. Mm. Those games you mentioned there, they're probably good examples of what the listeners say. And if you probably had someone in the middle there who could who could do what Hammers does on one side and maybe beat a man internally in in, in the centre. You know Sorry, like, look, good example of maybe the listeners' points, but we may may need. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because. That's what we were hoping Sigurdsson would be, yeah, wouldn't we? Course, and, yeah. and we haven't had that. And you can't just have, like, the, the way that we play at the moment, it, it can't just be one play, you know, one way of playing. And, and you look you looked on Saturday and it was like, let's give the ball to Hammers, let's see what he can do. <laughs> it weighs on him in the end. It was yeah. like, he was looking around going, what more do you want me to do? Like, I'm, I'm spraying 50 yards and bringing wingers in, into play. Mm. If they're not willing to beat a player, I can't go and take everyone else on and then cross it at the end of it. So, yeah. it, it like I say, it's... Um, we definitely do need more options out there. Yeah. And, and I think, I firmly believe that, that we'll be looking for that in January. Well, thanks for the questions, guys, on acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk and also the social media at Across the Park PC. Apologies if you didn't get to your question on air, but I know Judgy and Philip in the inbox replying to us. So if you do ask a question on the website, we will always try and get back to you. Judgy, you replied to, we had a good question last week we covered, didn't we, in relation to the, the youth setup? Yeah, And I think a, you were halfway through replying and then... Yeah, so Mar- Martin, if you're listening, so Martin O'Connor sent in a, in a reply to, to what we were talking about in relation to the, you know, the criticism of our, our youth system. He made some really good points about the fact that, you know, the players who have recently come through, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Holgate, Wayne, academy players, they were bought late. Niels and Kunku, again, who's on, who's on the fringes, another player who we bought really late, he was you know, basically building, you know, touching on some of the points we've made about um, Unsworth not really breading any of those players and, you know, is it kind of bottlenecking a little bit at the top. He was critical of some of the players we didn't name, but I can name them because he has. Uh, John Ebrill, um, Jeffers, Baines. You're saying Baines producing nothing. You know, Baines has been there a few months. I think you can really, really uh, straddle him with, with the same, but... Again, and I'm not saying that Ebrill, Jeffers, Unsworth are responsible for it, but you know they 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 are ex players at the moment that are in their coaching. Um, but like I said before, they can they can only work with what's coming through uh, underneath that. But it was a really very very well written point from point from Martin, and like Millsy said, I started replying to it, but I felt as though I was reiterating the points that I've made on last. He was agreeing with you more or less, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and and he and he, and he was very critical of 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 what the academies failed to produce recently and, and also he did add on at the end that Brands' big mantra when he came in was to, was to kind of sign more players under 25 um, obviously that's kind of put, been put on the back burner a little bit because of the appointments of Carlo Ancelotti who wants players to, mm-hmm. to you know to be to be performing in, in the here and now 
Um, but yeah, once again, Martin, thanks a lot for your, for your points. Really well made, and you know he he really did go to town on on our <laughs> academy. But I I can't really disagree with him. Um, I think it's you know he really does feel strongly about Unsworth potentially not being in the position he's in now. Doesn't necessarily ne- doesn't necessarily agree that agree that the under twenty threes um, is not that important. But I'm not I'm not having that. The, the, the under twenty threes has got no role to play in modern football, in my opinion. It should have. I get what he's saying. It should be the under twenty threes should be the backup, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing players in under twenty threes. There's just no point in it because they, they're just not up against competitive opposition on a weekly basis. So. That's why I was saying that last week they, they generally go from the 18s where the FA Youth Cup is a very prestigious and good competition with the with the, that the players value once they got beyond playing in the FA Youth Cup. And there's that Youth Champions League that Liverpool are involved in, which is pretty decent as well, which is under-19s. But apart from the, those two competitions, there's nothing going on beyond the 18s and, and you might as well be either playing for our first team, which we haven't been able to do, or you know, send them out on loan, which he name checked the likes of Nathan Broadhead, who've gone out on loan, clearly not good enough, um, and a few others. But again, thanks a lot, Martin. Mm. Great, great points, and I just didn't have a lot to offer coming back to you, unfortunately. Yeah. No, Unsworth, I, I I check social media, and Unsworth does does get quite a bit. Who'd be a football coach? Once they hear to Ronald Koeman, now he's getting slated on Zoom by Evertonians. Who'd be a football coach? <laughs> it did say there's a. Big game on Sunday. Um, Reds, we all know. Liverpool v Manchester United. There's a big game on Sunday. The Reds will close the show out on that. But Judgy, you mentioned there, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. We're missing him for the game against Wolves. Um, possibly going to miss him against Aston Villa. The manager today came out and said he's got a small problem which we don't want to risk. We've heard him say that before with Hamas Rodriguez. These small problems, he, he doesn't risk. Mm. These players, we're going to be tired. There's a number of players there who played 120 minutes on Saturday. Tough game against Wolves, isn't it for us? Yeah, particularly against a, a very high tempo, high energy side that, yeah. that Wolves are. Uh, you know, and we've said it before, they they've got a very well old system, haven't they? they? They know how they play, and um, they're, they're very hard to play against. That Molyneux, um, you know, they, they do take the games here, but the, you can see how that game's going to pan out with our lack of pace as well. They're just going to sit back, kind of allow us to have the ball and just hit us really hard on the break mm-hmm. with with the the overwhelming pace they've got. Um, so it, it is a very tough game, and, and not least because you know you you do want that that pace that the Calvert Lewin gives us in behind yeah. to give them something to think about when these do push players forwards. You just know that if we haven't got Calvert Lewin and possibly not even Richarlison, we yeah. are going to struggle to give them anything to think about going the other way. If he's fit, he being Richarlison, does he play centrally for you, or do you stick with I believe Tosa so. because he's on the, on the back of scoring goals? I say goals. Or I believe so. I, I, Again, you know, we spoke about Tosin before. I don't believe that he that he's the answer um, against an opposition like Wolves, particularly against a back three. You know, Connor Cody and, and Den Donker and and you know Willie Bowley, the, the the big big fellas, and they're all physical. And and I can't see him getting any change out of those three. I can see Richarlison causing you know the likes of Connor Cody pace that uh, pace. I can, I can see him causing uh, Connor Cody problems with his pace mm. in the channels. And you know he's tricky when he gets players one v one, but I can't see what Chen Tosin's going to do there against those three. So I think maybe playing a more fluid three with with Richarlison, Awobi, and and possibly even Hammers on 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 the sides would would probably give them a bit more to think about in their system than than playing a an out and out, you know, get your ass in type striker like Tosin, mm. who, who's not even going to be strong enough to win those battles either. Yeah. So you know I'm sick of asking this question. You're probably sick of answering it because it's every week. Who's the midfield three? Because we've got no Allen, and then so you're now having to rely on 
Tom Davis or, or Gilfie Sigurdsson alongside Andre Gomez as well. Decore yeah, is in there, I, I, obviously. I, th- I think against Wolves, I think the one thing you would say, you can see, I think Gomez will get a bit more time on the ball against them. They don't come and press you so high, do you know what I mean, Wolves? They will, they will sit back and look to hit you on the counter. And I think, therefore, Andre Gomez might not be a bad option. He's going to be with a lot of his mates, his Portuguese mates in there, so he'll want to, he'll want to um, you know, show good face. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a bad option in there. I think it's more likely you're going to have then Decore and, and Sigurdsson. Mm. I, I can't, can't fathom and I can't consider, you know, Tom Davies. After that rant field. before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't then name him in my first 11, can I? So, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that <coughs> would be the case anyway. I mean... Sigurdsson one of, was one of those players again who come out the weekend and just did inject a bit more urgency into the play. And Ancelotti, you know, just seems to like him out of the plays he's got available. He does tend to count Sigurdsson it seems in in his first eleven most of the time, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. So I expect Sigurdsson to play. And and I think, you know, playing Gomez in that deeper role against Wolves, I don't think would be that detrimental to the way we can play. That worries me, Sigurdsson. You know, do you know why? Because Wolves last season was one of our worst performances and there's that picture of Sigurdsson in about 80 yards of space pointing that he doesn't else. want it. Yeah. And he, he just that, that'll always stay my mind, that picture of Gilfie Sigurdsson. I don't care what he can score the winner in a derby in March now. That picture won't stay in my mind. It'll be the one at Wolves. Tell you what, if your your missus ever, ever cheats on you, she's got nothing down for her. She <laughs> <laughs> don't forget anything, do you? Yeah, we'll move on past Gilfie Sigurdsson. I, I agree. I think Gilfie Sigurdsson will play. It, but is there any chance you think of changing the system? 4-4-2 maybe? Hammers a bit more centrally with Richarlison. Use out defensive, you know, the four centre-halves. Because Luca Dean might not play. play. There's a lot of minutes yeah. in those legs on Saturday, so he might not play. Seamus Coleman played 120 minutes as well, so... He may go back to that flat four and then look to maybe pick them off quite cleverly. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, you know, particularly in light of the, you know, the, they've got Daniel Podence on one side and, and probably um, Traore on the other side. They are players who, who, who like to just get up against the, the fullbacks mm. 1v1. And I think, you know, playing the, your Holgates and your, your Godfrey's as, as the fullbacks, they're going to be more comfortable with that and, and physically you're going to be up for it as well. So, wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. The only thing is they they play wing backs as well at times. They play like a three four three, don't they? Yeah. So I don't know how that 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 would work. I think it might leave us really unbalanced, um, and they might end up pinning us back completely. So look, I'll leave that to Carlo. He he, he, he we trust him to pick the right system. I just hope we don't go back to a back three because mm. that that that's where we look really uncomfortable, and and that would really test the legs of Coleman and Dean. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Luca Dean come off injured if if, if he was going to employ that and and put him in that position. Away from um, the tiredness, legs on the outfield positions, Robert Olsen played really well on Saturday. Would he keep his place for you for, for at least one of these two games coming up? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I I wouldn't be against it, but he he, he hasn't. He hasn't really played him for two games consecutive unless there was a really good reason. So far as he, he's normally no. brought Pickford back, back in, in straight away, and yeah. I fully expect him to do that. Um, he did play well, Robin Olsen. He made some really good saves, <laughs> very timely saves, and it's quite awkward that he had to play so well. But you know, again, it, it's going to give him confidence. And you would assume, like the, the Reds were talking about with the Jordan Enders and things, you assume that those conversations about who's going to play certain games have already been had. Um, and you know, and the, the Olsen is expecting to come back out for, for Pickford. Um, and I get you know what Pickford hasn't been playing too badly either himself. It, it's mm. quite a good. It's shown. It's been a really healthy rotation he's had going on. It's got the best out of both keepers. Olsen's coming in confident because he's he knows he's trusted, and and he's been showing that in his, in his performances. And Pickford's come back in with it with a spring and a step. So 
you know, touch wood, that that's that that you know that that um that rotation system continues to work, but I do expect Pickford to come back in and, and stay in probably until maybe the next cup game. Okay, well there are two games this week for us. This is our game in hand. So we win this, we go point off top, go to Villa. I've said this before, we beat Villa, we go top, don't <laughs> we lads? <laughs> uh two very tough games though, aren't they? I mean you know, before the season you'd be thinking tough game, we probably won't win at Wolves, but you'd expect to beat Villa. Mm. Um, they're both as equally as tough as each other. Villa have been excellent. Really good season, yeah. Just when you f- you feel as though they're just going to go to bits, they seem to pull out a a really top performance again. Yeah. So yeah, two two very tough games, and you know, similar similar problems they're going to cause us really because the, the the teams that um well no not not similar because I think Villa can be got at defensively, but you know there's a very real danger of them. Than really catching you out if you, mm. you do go at them like you know a Liverpool fan. Wolves, Wolves have missed him as haven't they? they? They're <laughs> on they're on twenty two points. Wolves Villa twenty six Everton twenty nine. So I think I think Wolves out of the two, barring any real sort of fatigue and tiredness, is probably a really good opportunity for us to get something. Because I think Villa I'll, I'll will be, be really difficult to play against. It's not that you, not that Angelotti's this way inclined, but I think if you're offered Angelotti a point at Wolves, he'd snap your hand off. Yeah, I think for the players we're missing. And also to keep Wolves at that distance, if you can keep Wolves seven, you know, seven, eight points away from us, you'd be more than happy with that. Because realistically, even though Villa have had a good season, you still see Wolves more of a threat mm. taking over us and eventually putting results together. Particularly when they get Jimenez back than than Villa, I think realistically. But you know, it's been a mad season, hasn't it? Yeah, a lot of games coming up. Um, just before we do move on to Liverpool and Man United, with these games coming up now, do you see it as a chance to really? change systems week by week do you think he's a manager who will do that he's, shown, think, he's, he's shown he'll do that won't he, he but he's, he's he, done that when he's had injuries hasn't he not necessarily when he knows he's 11 he's, he, he's yeah. tended to keep it but do you think going forward even now even when they're all fit it's a chance for him to maybe play against different places different systems against different teams or do you think he's always someone who would like that sort of 4-3-3s three, he's stumbled upon at the early start of the season I, I don't think he's stumbled upon it I think I think the 4-3-3 the three, three and the 4-4-2 four, four, that time in the middle has always been his preferred Formation mm. certainly at, at AC Milan when he was as most successful, and more recently at, at Napoli, that's that's what he that's been his go-to formation. And um, but you know we've seen the season he's not averse to, to playing three or five at the back, but I don't expect to see that again until next season because mm. we clearly at the moment don't have the personnel or the you know we haven't had enough time on the, the training pitch to work on that. So um, I, I don't expect to see a massive change in the systems apart from maybe going back to that back four like you suggested before mm. if we need a bit more solidity and if Luca Dean and, and, and Coleman aren't, aren't quite fit enough mm. I could maybe see the three at the back with Iwobi right wing back and Luca Dean left wing back because mm. Iwobi done well at right wing back didn't he but look, let us know what you think Blues on, on your Twitter at Across the Park BC Judgy before we move on two quick predictions from yourself Wolves v Everton first of all 1-1 one, one. I'll go 1-1 one, one as well I'll go with you and then Villa v Everton um, three to Everton. I think it'll be a high-scoring game there. I think. I think if we have Calvert Lewin and Richarlison back, I can see us just nicking it. Kevin yeah. Keegan style. I'd love an eight-two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, to, just, to, just to get one more than you. Oh, that'd kill me. That. Tell you what. So that's a twelve o'clock Sunday. If it was eight-two, it probably still would be first on match the day because Liverpool. Man United, I think the the world will be watching. United have turned it round, haven't they? From Roy Keane slating Oli Gunnar Solskjaer on Sky Sports, saying it's not good enough to being able to possibly go top this weekend. Um, yeah. Huge game. Yeah, I think um, 
Everyone got a bit carried away with the, them going out of the Champions League because yeah. they, they just slowly and quietly came came up behind everyone in the Premier League. And yeah, as you say, they've got they've got a chance to potentially go top of the league, and you can't really knock them. They they've played well. They seem to they seem to want to go behind in games, and then and then that's when they get the kick up the backside. And the penalty. And then yeah, they get the penalty. Ironically, yeah. I actually put in our group the other week. Haven't Man United got a penalty yet? In like joking rounds, about right. ten minutes later, a penalty. <laughs> yeah, it was just bizarre. But yeah, um, as you say, big game, and and it's it's one that we, to be honest, we could probably do with. We as we said earlier on, it, it's a game that really gives us an opportunity to to pull our finger out and, and get out of this rut that we've been in and. Hopefully the, the the big players in our team will, will come to the forefront and, and get the three points for us. Yeah, you know it, whether you could you could still say it's it, it you know it's it's the fixture in the Premier League calendar. It, I guess it's li- probably Liverpool City more at the moment, isn't it? You know, given like the, currently, that, yeah, yeah. Currently, that's you know the the two that you'd say that the the two best sides. But for every Liverpool fan, and, and you know traditionally this is this is this is the one and. It is interesting that they've sort of came a little bit from nowhere, man. You, you know, they've just snuck up and, as you said, and you know, they're getting results that they need, and they're almost doing what we done last year. You know, in them tight games, they're managing to find a way to get not through them and stuff. Yeah. No, they're like the the managing to nick games late or you know, sort of just steal the points. And, and if you, in in this current league this season, if you can do that, you're gonna you're gonna go places because mm. you know if you can put a run together, you, you're gonna fly up the positions and. As you say, all of a sudden, you know, Solskjaer's probably got a bit of a smug feel about it, thinking, you know, in your face sort of sort of thing. But I still think they're a side that, you know, I don't watch them and think they're a boss team or anything. You know, they are where they are, in like almost in spite of some, you know, poor performances that, as I say, they've managed to get the points on. So, as Gary said there, I think it's a it's a great opportunity for us to 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 sort of get up for one and 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 you know. Establish like really sort of assert ourselves now. You know we're, we're still we're still top. Um, you know we were top at Christmas. We're top at New Year, and it's almost like, you know, this is a good chance, as good a chance as any, really, to basically send another message and say we're, we're open to stay here. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna put a run together. So, it is important that we get it right, though. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a bit mad to say, but if they. Obviously, the form that they're in compared to the form that we're in, if they come thinking that and thinking they can get at us, it might be what we need. Mm, yeah. it, might, it might fall in our favour that and, and th- them coming with all the confidence and, and thinking they're going to be able to come at us from the first minute and, and you know take the game to us could really, really play into our hands. And, and do you think he'll do that, Solskjaer? Do you think he'll go for the three points at Anfield? I don't, I don't to be honest. I think he'll, he'll go for the three points, but not in a direct way he, he'll go and he'll come and try and keep it tight for a bit and he, he'll try and pick us off maybe maybe set pieces early on and, and yeah 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 but I do I, I don't I can't see him being naive enough to be to come and, and really try and take it to us I'd like him to try and do that because I do think that I play into our hands but no I, I don't think he will do that um but we've we've just got to look at, at forgetting about them and playing our own game again and and, and getting back to winning ways and you know I think the the fact we've got Thiago coming back into the team yep. now is, is going to be a big thing for us. You know, we we've seen him. He come on at half time for Henderson against Villa, and albeit it was against the the, the younger side, the under twenty threes, and but you've seen the difference he made, the 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 passing, the direct passing, the quick passing, the the you know the no luck. He's looking one way and giving it another way, and, it, and it's really putting putting defenders off. And I think a, a lot of what he brings is potentially what we've missed and what we need at the moment. And 
hopefully him, him feeding the front three can get them the opportunities they need to, to get back into form. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's vitally important that we get the side right because and, and we don't know definitely that Matip's out yet. Um, you know, th- there's apparently he's racing to, to be back fit and I think if you've got Matip available and he's playing with Fabinho and you can put Henderson, you know, Wijnaldum and, and Thiago in that midfield, then I, I think, think that's... I think it's dangerous getting Matip to race, though. I think if he can get injured, but you know, if he is back, then I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that midfield. You know, going going into that Man U game, um, just because I think you know the protection it can give you. We know Fernandez is a top draw talent. You know, he's a very good player, um, and he, he's not just a you know a, a one of them number tens who can sort of like pull strings, and he's like a little sort of you know operating in the lines. He's a big physical player as well. You know, he's a big lad, and 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 you know. You can see he's got that confidence and that swagger about the way he plays and stuff. So you've got to you've got to match him. You know mm. what I mean. And we need someone to be alert to that. Ordinarily, that'll be a Fabinho job, but he's going to be you know in the centre of that defence. So I think it's you know it, I'm, I've got fingers and toes crossed that Matip is back available. Um, I'm not really sure what we do if he isn't. If I'm honest, uh, I probably I think we were talking about it the other day, weren't we? And Gary mentioned he'd probably like to see Milner at centre-back, and I, I don't really disagree, Milner? to be honest. Yeah, I, Rather than Henderson, I don't want Henderson playing in there because I think we need him in the middle of the park to drive that and really sort of, you know, own that midfield. In Wijnaldum and Thiago, I'm very confident we can get the points in that game. Um, but if you've got Henderson playing in the midfield and then you've got, I don't know, like a Wijnaldum, Thiago and Curtis Jones or something midfield... You're not signing no one this window though. Your young centre backs are gonna have to start playing more. So do you not play play through it? Not against the bigger teams. I, I think so. you know we've got Burnley in in this run as well. That's another game. I think that's a better one where you can maybe play. You know one one. one, one oh, they'll get hammered there with long balls. Yeah, but the likes of Phillips loves long balls. He loves balls pumped into the box. He won every header. You know when in game what game was it that he came in and he won everything in the air, didn't he? West Ham, weren't he? Phillips. Yeah, so there's, there's been a couple of games that he, he doesn't really lose headers. So he'll he'll shoot. The Burnley game, so I think they're the ones to try and you know get them a bit more, m- bit more game time. But certainly not, not, not this one. I don't want Henderson in that in that centre defence. It just don't doesn't work for me. We lose his drive, and I feel like he's over concentrating on the set on, on the defensive side of his game. So then you lose the fact that he like tells Trent what to do and where players where to move them around. You lose that captain's sort of eye on the game, you know, because he's he's focused on being in the right place, the right time, in an unfamiliar position. So I think he's got to play in the in the middle and. I think Milner would be an all right bet centre. I don't think he's going to let you down, Milner at centre back. You know what I mean? He's height though as well. So. Yeah, but you say the height. Set pieces will come in. Like Gary said, they might look to come and pick it off. But set pieces if Milner's in there trying to win. Have Mascarano played at a pass? No, I, don't, I don't think Milner's. Yeah, in, yeah, I don't think Milner's over there. Milner's not poor on set pieces though, is he? He's good in the air, Milner. He's, he he can win stuff. He, and you know, it's not physically ready for a, for a set piece to come in at him all the time. No, I, I, I doubt I, he's in the mix when, you, when when he's playing normally. I doubt he's in there trying to win. I, th- I don't. I'm not. I'm not <coughs> too worried. Uh, if you if you're asking me, would I basically run the risk of facing set, set pieces with Milner as, as as a centre back and Henderson in the middle, or basically we start with the midfield of Thiago, Wijnaldum, and say a Curtis Jones or Oxley Chamberlain with Henderson in the back line with Fabinho? I'm I'm going with the first one. Me, I'd rather. It's imperative for you that Henderson plays centre mid. Yes, absolutely. Because as I say, you know, the, 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 when he's playing in his familiar position, he can move Trent round. He makes sure he's in the right place. He can make sure he's not switching off and stuff. And I think that's really important to Trent's game. You know, I think we miss it when Henderson isn't there, and. I, we need him in the middle there, I think, to sort of marshal and drive that team on. So, I think we've got to get the got to get the team right. And it, you know, if Matip comes back, then it's it's an easy one. If he doesn't, then 
there's going to be some unfamiliar things in, in the back line. And for me, it'd be a, I'd rather we go with Milner there than Henderson there, if I'm honest, um, and, and let Henderson feature in the middle of the, uh, middle of the park. And, you know, that was what we were saying before when Phil was giving his view on, on, on whether, you know, we should change things and stuff. And he said, I want to see a Wijnaldum, Henderson, Thiago midfield. We haven't really seen it. Um, so we've got to, got to see it and see if it can work. And, you know, looking at it, what Gary was saying there, you know, when Thiago came on, what we've seen of him, he's a top, top draw player. So, you know, it's a it's a brilliant stage for him to come in and, and, and shine and basically run the show. And, you know, with with Wijnaldum and Henderson alongside him, I think he's, there's a platform for him there to really do that. You know, like to them doing a lot of the, the legwork and stuff, getting around the pitch and him just being able to sort of quarterback it a little bit. So, don't want Henderson to be yeah, the only centre-back. Could free Wijnaldum up to be more like the Dutch Wijnaldum? Maybe, maybe, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, man, that's, that's a thing. It gives us other options, whereas... I think if you put Oxley Chamberlain in there, I'm still not sure he's fully up to speed, you know. And if he's not scoring goals from range, you're not really giving it a lot of other stuff. I don't think, you know. And, and he's one to maybe bring on in games as opposed to start. I think. Um, and and you know, then Curtis Jones is just it's a little bit of a slump, you know, where he, he just, it's not quite going his way. Cater, I wouldn't put him anywhere near this game. I don't even know if he's fit. I, I don't even think he's been near a game for that long. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't even like. know if he's fit and available, but he wouldn't go in anywhere near this team for me. Um, so I, it, I, I, I would, I'd say Henderson's got to play in the middle against Man U and, and you know, if we get it right and, you know, they do sort of come with a little bit of a, a, a little bit more confidence than the, the, we would have expected and, and do go at us. I think it is one where we can get all three points and, and I fully expect to probably see a, a Mane and Salah on the score sheet. So I've got a crossed. bit of a theory that, that like Klopp needs a maintenance person at his household day every day. Like last year it was Shakiri doing it. <laughs> and now he's just chose Cater to be the Kater. person to look after his house because <laughs> yeah. like someone just disappears every year from your squad yeah, and there's no, no reason with no why. explanation yeah, it was, yeah. It, well it was Daniel Klein weren't it for a bit he yeah. just went missing for about two years so he, he must just he has to have someone like just looking after his house all day yeah, didn't he, did it, was it Klein that came out of Klopp's house for a United game was that a United game that he played yeah, at he randomly? Did, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he came in against Man U. He hadn't played for about 18 months. That's a great game as well. Yeah. Peyton's on, lads. Yeah, well, it's going to get a bitch. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, you know, I, I do expect us to get the win. It's a, it's a massive game, though. Absolutely massive game. Go on, then. By what scoreline? Uh, I'm, I, I'll be honest. I do think they'll score. Um, but I'm going to say I, 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 fancy us, I fancy us to turn up and really sort of you know, sort of say this is this. These are our points. Three-one Liverpool. Barring a Man United penalty, I'm going to say we'll keep a clean sheet. Um, I'll say we. We'll, I think we'll win. I think it'll go two-nil. Okay. Put a bit of daylight between you and United, then wouldn't it as well? Mm. Three points It'd be massive for the Reds. Absolutely. Reds, if you agree or disagree with Gary and Terry at Across the Park PC on Twitter or Instagram www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk on the internet. Anyone who listens to Liverpool Live Radio will know that. We've been on quite a lot. I think at least one of us will be going on the sports show every Saturday going forward. And on online, Alexa and DAB. Online is liverpoolliveradio.com. Judgy, the AGM is on Thursday. We're going to be talking about that next week as well, as long as well as looking back at... I, I think the, these youth, youth questions are appropriate because I think there's going to be a lot addressed on, on Thursday at the AGM. So it'll be good to get your thoughts on Monday the outcome of that also looking back at the Wolves and Aston Villa games and Liverpool v Manchester United back next Monday guys have a great weekend we will see you then